All right. All right. Thank you so much. Wow. It would be a mistake to miss the moment of worship that just happened and not just like identify the Holy Spirit being present and, and just rich in our, in, our, uh, in our gathering. Amen? Amen. That was, that was awesome. Well, um, so like, look, let's just go ahead and get started. Okay, I brought something for you. You're like, great, Josiah's not preaching. It's awesome. I got, I got up for New Year's, and it's not even here, but, you know, I, I, think, I think we had extra coffee or something for you. That's what I saw when I walked. Uh, but I saw you. I'm just curious. What's it going to be in 2023? What, what, like, is it going to be health, uh, finance, uh, education? Like, what's, uh, what's the goal, if you will, or, um, you know, I don't know if you're a, a resolution setter, but, um, you know, I'm curious, you know, what, what, what's kind of maybe on your mind, um, if you are curious as to what was the most searched topic on Google, I have the answer for you, and that may be your resolution, it was Wordle. Wordle. Any Wordle fans out there? Wordle. Like, so maybe your New Year's is to get better, I don't know, or like get it in like line two instead of line three. I'm not sure about that. But, but um, my question for us today is what about rest? What if rest was like one of your top goals for, for 2023? What would that, what would that um, look like? And, and maybe even, like, why would that be such a, such a top goal? Is that even biblical to, to make that, like, your thing uh, this year? And I don't want to, like, speak a word if, like, the Lord is, is kind of, like, uh, doing something else different and taking you in a different path. That's cool. Like, go, go down that path. But I'm, I'm just suggesting for the next few moments that we explore what this year might look like if rest was, like, one of your... One of your main goals. Let's pray. Father, we ask that your Holy Spirit would be here and you would move continually. Just don't stop what you've already started. Holy Spirit, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 11. And um, Jesus is uh, he's doing some teaching here. And uh, you know that uh, his, his, his ministry was filled with teaching and preaching and healing, and, and so he did a lot of teaching, and his main uh, topic uh, for, for teaching uh, was about the kingdom of God, and so he does that here in Matthew chapter 11, and um, you know, he's just uh, always inviting people into a deeper understanding of the kingdom of God, and so, and so we pick it up in, in verse 25 of Matthew chapter 11, and uh, Jesus continues, at, at that time, uh, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. And anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, 
for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Okay, so um, j- just to kind of set up our passage here, a little kingdom context, uh, so, so you, we have an idea as to what type of rest Jesus is inviting us into, and we, and we see it kind of in three parts here, and so um, in, in verse uh, 25, we see that he, Jesus is teaching us something about the kingdom, and he says, the kingdom belongs to those who will receive it like a child by faith. Okay, and so that's kind of a a first premise of the kingdom. A second premise here in this passage is that the kingdom of God has an authority that belongs to Jesus and Jesus alone, and that's sort of principle two. And principle three is the kingdom of God is all about knowing God, and Jesus is the only one who can actually uh, make that happen. Okay, and so... so, uh, we're going to take what, what we might call as a preparation pause right now and just think about those things before we get to maybe the passage that you might be familiar with. Can somebody say rest? Okay, all right, all right. We're, you guys are going to get better as we go. Trust me. I just by faith, I'm declaring that, okay? Can somebody say rest? Okay, that's where we're headed, but we have to understand the context into which rest is being invited, right? And so if we were to think about those three things again, The kingdom of God belongs to people who receive it like a child. What we have to understand is that if you're trying to receive the kingdom of God not like a child, like a grown-up, mature, dependent adult, dependent on yourself, which would actually make you independent, well, then you're going to get weary. If you're trying to receive the kingdom of God and his promises and all that he has for you as like this adult who doesn't need anybody, that's going to wear you out. Okay, so keep that in mind. Number two is the the authority. The authority uh, in the kingdom of God belongs to Christ. And so if we are looking for authority, if we're looking for confirmation, if we're looking for power outside of Christ... Well, that is eventually going to make you weary. Well, and the third principle that Jesus sets up here is, is that the, the, the kingdom of God is actually about knowing God. It's about having a, a, a personal relationship with God, and only Jesus can give you that. And so if you, are, if you are pursuing the kingdom of God outside of God, but rather for the things that God can give you, well, that's going to make you weary too. You ever found yourself there? You're like all about the kingdom promises without really wanting the promise giver. Has that ever, I mean, right? Like it's, it's almost like the person that you're in a relationship with where, where you've gotten to this point in your relationship where you just like, like the benefits of knowing that person, not really the person herself or, or himself. And so if you're I'm not going to be needing that stool, but that's kind of... <laughs> if, you're, if you're pursuing kingdom things in any way outside of the context which Jesus is teaching, eventually that's going to make you weary. Or if you don't even have the kingdom of God on your radar, well, you're going to bring in a weariness that Jesus is speaking to. And, and now this is why the rest of the passage is good news for the original crowd. And 
It's good news for us in 2023. He says, come to me. And he says, take my yoke. And he says, learn from me. So we got three things here that Jesus is inviting us to. It's really all about himself. But, but we see that there are, there are three sort of um, parts to this invitation. And the first one is, come to me. And so we see this in verse 28, that Jesus is inviting us to a person, not a doctrine, not a theology, not a version of the scriptures, not a particular teacher or teaching. Now, are those things important? Yeah. I mean, especially theology and doctrine, that's super important. If you don't know the truth about God and, and you get to decide that, well, then that's not going to lead you to the, to the true God. But we have to look at the invitation here of Jesus. It's, it's not to a particular set of rules or regulations or, hey, I'm signing that I, I agree and affirm these things. Jesus is first and foremost inviting us to himself, a person. And so in 2023, I think I had too many 20s in there. In 2023, if you want to experience rest, it's going to be by coming to a particular person that's not yourself. It's the resurrected Savior. It's the living hope we just sang about. Well, if you're going to experience rest in 2023, you're going to also have to do something else. Is you're going to have to, when you come to this person, you're going to have to be willing um, to take his yoke upon yourself. And so what does that mean? Um, so, so sometimes I think we can get caught in the trap of thinking, well, I, I, I can emotionally come to Jesus or I can come to Jesus like when I read his word or in worship. And those are all true and, and real things. Or, or maybe I come to Jesus for the first time and like I surrender my life to him. Those are all real meaningful things. But, but when you look at what the invitation of Jesus is for rest, you see that it's more than just a one-time thing because when you come to him, he expects you to do something. And the something he expects you to do is not work for it, but actually uh, take his yoke upon yourself. Now, his yoke is not a yoke of works where you keep striving and you keep earning and you keep maintaining. That's the nasty yoke we all bring to Jesus. Jesus is like, trade your yoke of works for a yoke of grace. But I love, I love the invitation here. Is, is Jesus inviting you to a person, but then he's also inviting you to a promise. It's like, um, it's like a marriage, almost. It's like the wedding ring that I put on. When I got married, I came to a person over 25 years ago. Her name was Catherine. And then I, I put a yoke. I, I, I bound myself to her. And, and the, the symbol of that is, is what I'm still wearing. It's, it's, like, it's like a yoke. Jesus is like... I want you to um, give me your allegiance. So when you come to me, I don't want you just to admire me and then go back to an old lifestyle or go back to an old master. I want you to come to me and then I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to be loyal to you and then I want you to be loyal to me. I want you to take my yoke, which would bind us together forever. I want you to take my yoke upon you commit to me. And then finally, he says, learn from me. So, so we've got, we're coming to the person of Jesus, and, and we're committing to the promise 
of Jesus, that he's going to be with us and we're going to be with him. And then, and then we're going to learn from the pathway of Jesus. We're, we're, we have things to learn. There's areas to grow. And, and Jesus's invitation is that we're going to do this um, together, that he's not going to send you off to learn lessons on your own, that he wants you to learn from him as we, but as you and Jesus travel together. The question is, well, well, why? Why is this such a big deal? Because if you're honest, if you'll give yourself an awesome and honest and freeing moment in 2023, there is probably a level of weariness that you brought in here this morning that goes beyond whether you stayed up for both football games, that goes beyond whether you stayed up to watch the ball drop, that goes be- there's probably a level of weariness that you brought in here if you're honest that doesn't reflect an incredibly like, restful life in Christ. At least it, maybe for some, not trying to like completely general, generalize, but if you're like me, sometimes I'm like, I feel like my restfulness does not reflect that I belong to this Jesus. It like reflects that I belong to myself, and I'm just not really good at giving myself rest. So why... Or the next few moments a big deal? I think they're a big deal because Jesus offers this rest that we're all yearning for and the world is actually waiting for us to get right. How are we going to get it? How would we get it? You see, because your rest is more important than just you feeling better about you. You understand that, right? Like all of Coconut Creek, all of Deerfield, all of South Florida is yearning for the same rest that Christians are yearning for. The only difference is we actually have a shot at the source. So the more we live out of rest in the midst of chaos, the more that South Florida begins to experience this great exchange that this church is named after. Well, how are we going to do that? Well, well, it's not going to be because of you or because of me, because, because we're not what Jesus is. We're like harsh and haughty. Like, that, that's kind of our nature. We're, we're just kind of, I mean, just get around a parent long enough. I'm not talking about after they pick their kid up from the, like, exchange kids. I'm talking about, like, by 2 or 3 p.m. today. No, no, get around a parent that's got a young child that's a little bit challenging. You'll see a harshness that just kind of eventually comes out. You'll see a haughtiness when you drive, right? Like, if you get, watch this, you get cut off twice by the same person, that person is, like, like needs to go down, like the curses of the Old Testament that you don't understand, you're praying over the, you know, like I, it's in the Bible, so I think I can curse. Like just two times by the same person, all of a sudden, King Casey is like, what is going on? We're harsh and haughty, but Jesus, well, and that's why we can't, that's why we can't give each other rest. That's why we can't give ourselves rest. But Jesus, according to his own words, you know what he is? Gentle and lowly. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Verse 29. So here's what I want to know. Is there really rest for me in 2023? Is that like a real thing? I mean, if, 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 I, if I sincerely look at my life, 
and what I plan to do in 2023, it, is, it, is it really safe for me to think that I could experience rest? Like, legitimately? I know, I know what the passage says. Like, I get it. I just want to know, will it actually show up when the rest of my life shows up in 2023? Take a look at this next slide. Because this is, this is kind of what I plan to do in 2023. Can we see that next slide, please? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there really rest for me in 2020? I don't know what you guys plan to do in 2023, but here are some of my plans in 2023. I plan to sin again. I, I plan to have to fight for my life. I plan to pray, and I, and I plan to doubt. I don't want to do all these things. I'm not like leaning in. I'm just saying, if I know myself over the last 48 years and year 49 is like the first 48, these are four things that I'm, I'm definitely going to do. And so here's my question. Will the gentleness and the lowliness of Jesus that promises rest show up there? Not just like here in this moment. Well, for us to really consider that, I think we would uh, need to just look at a, a brief definition of what it means to be gentle and what it means to be lowly, biblical. For that, I, I, I turn to a book that has been very instrumental and important to me in my life and growth by Dane Ortland called Gentle and Lowly. I'll reference that a few, a few times. Gentle. Dane talks about the word gentle and he says meek and humble. He says, Jesus is not trigger happy, not harsh. He's not easily exasperated. And then he goes on to talk about the posture. He says, the posture most natural to, to him, that's Jesus, is not a pointed finger, but open arms. That's his most natural posture, according to his own words. He says he's gentle. That's what the word gentle means, biblically. Lowly? Well, well, lowly, the, the point in saying that Jesus is lowly means that he's accessible. It means that for all his resplendent glory and dazzling holiness, his supreme uniqueness and otherness, no other human in history has been more approachable than Jesus Christ. He does not get frustrated or flustered when we come to him for fresh forgiveness for renewed pardon with distress and need and emptiness. That's the whole point. It's what he came to heal. So this is just kind of a, some background understanding of what Jesus says about himself. That, that he's gentle and lowly, it biblically means these things. And it's important for, for us to get our, our minds around Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who is also gentle and lowly, if we're actually going to find the rest that's promised from the same person. It's how he describes himself. So, so what I want to do in our time, 
remaining is, is take a look at what my 2023 looks like and what your 23, 2023 probably looks like in these four areas and see if rest can really show up from someone who promises to be gentle and lowly in all the areas. If we get that next slide, I think, I think it will help us as we walk through these. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, whoop. If you could go back one, please. And then, yeah, that one. Awesome. So if you're taking notes, these will kind of be our, our four areas that we're going to be walking through. The first one is again. Again. I thought these four words were, were going to be really helpful for us as we kind of like walked through a study of who Jesus says he is. There are the words again and fighting, pray, and doubt. Again. You know, um, it's A.W. Tozer who says, um, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the more, most important thing about us. What comes into our minds when we think about God in the midst of our repetitive sin is the most important thing about us. Okay, so again, what do, what do I mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is, is not just that uh, I'm going to sin, but I'm going to sin again in the same pattern that I sinned in 2022. I mean, there's just a, a high likelihood. Unless Jesus completely breaks me free from some of the like, thought patterns that I've had for, for years, which are sinful and filled with anxiety and self, which he could. But what I want to know is who is he going to be when I find myself not just in sin, but in that same sin again? Have you ever, have you ever been there? You're like thinking, man, at least I wish I could get creative with my sin. Like, I keep falling down in the same spot. You see, we're probably familiar with the mercy of Jesus for new sin. But what about the sin that continues to call your name? That you haven't broken free from yet? Is Jesus gentle and lowly in that sin as well? You see, because as, as we looked at Tozer's quote, it's really important what you think about Jesus in the midst of your repetitive sin, not just your new and creative sin. And if we believe the Jesus of the Bible, who holds true to his promises, then we have to understand that even in your repetitive sin, even when you're there again, he's gentle, he's lowly, he's not frustrated or flustered with your renewed cries for mercy. What about, what about that, that sin that continues to, to haunt you where you forget how great God is and you lunge at control? And, and you find yourself controlling the show again through your anger or through your coldness, or, or your, your anxiety shows up again. And, and, and you just forgot, again, how great and sovereign and providential and awesome God is. And so here's what you did again, is you lunged at control. 
And every time, you know, I understand, we don't sin in a closet, right? So every time we sin, people get hurt. So in the midst of your sin of control, you find yourself with your hands on the wheel again, wreckage around you, and you're like, I can't believe I can't get this right. What about for, for those of us who, who forget how good just the person of God is and, and we run hard after something else that will give us a temporary satisfaction but like never lasts and usually leave us worse than before we found it. We, we forgot that our true delight and our true satisfaction is in God himself and, and we, even just for a moment, we went back and we tried to find it in a relationship. Or, or we tried to find it in food or pleasure or sex or something like on our phones or in our career. And, and we're in that space again where it's like, ah. And, and like the Holy Spirit convicts us and we're like, oh man, I can't believe I'm here again. And what I usually do is hide or figure out how I'm going to explain this away. But what if, what if Jesus was gentle and lowly to you in that moment and you didn't have to do that? Well, some of us are going to forget how glorious he is and we are going to strive for the approval of those around us again. I'm not talking about for the first time. I'm talking about for those of you who struggle with people-pleasing and codependency and things like that. And, and, and you're going to be like, you know what, 23 is going to be awesome, but what's going to happen is that maybe, potentially at some point, you're going to find yourself in that same, like, bound-up, constricted space where you did it again. You needed the approval of somebody else. You ran after it. Who's Jesus to you then? even after he's like brought you from that time and time again. Well, there's some of you, there's some of you like me who are going to forget how gracious he is and you're going to think you need to earn this thing and you are going to be fueled. It won't be seen, but you're going to be fueled by this invisible passion to like prove yourself to God and to yourself and to others again and it's really socially acceptable and so it's going to happen again and again and again because you're not going to get called out for it like somebody with some sort of like substance addiction and you're going to be back with the lord you're going to be like god i can't believe i did it again i'm like desecrating your cross i'm like saying jesus you're just not enough and i need to add to it i'm sorry what's the posture of Jesus going to be to you when you find yourself there again. I'm here to tell you what it's going to be. It's going to be open arms with a promise that says, come to me. I'm gentle. I'm not flustered that we're here again. I'm not frustrated that you brought me back into your sin that I went to a cross for. I'm, o I'm okay. Look at me. Look at me. I'm okay. Your sin's not okay. I hate your sin. You should hate your sin. But the fact that we're here again, I'm gentle. I, 
knew we'd be back here. You're the one who thought you'd never be back here. And I'm, I'm lowly. Like I made myself one of you. I went to the cross and experienced this sin like I did it. And then I got crushed for it so you wouldn't have to. We don't need to hide. We can actually walk out of here together. Come to me. Come to me. You don't need to go where you normally go. What about when I'm... What about when I'm fighting for it? What about then? Do you guys remember in your, in your minds, if you can go back a little bit, do, do you remember um, when you were first learning to walk? You were like, I don't know how old you are, like maybe 12, 13, 14 months. And, and every time you fell down, your parents used to yell and scream at you. Do you guys remember that? And, and like your mom, when she would see you take step, after your first and second step, after she saw you fall in step three, she would pound her fist on the table and be like, walk, man. So behind. Can't believe how frustrating this is to see you learn how to walk. <sighs> Nobody does that. Like you new exchange parents, you're probably like quasi, it's not, nobody's, nobody's going to call you annoying, but you're like persistent at making other people watch videos of your kids and pictures and like he's walking. Look at his first step coming, he's going to walk. And then he just like sits there, doesn't walk. And you're like, okay, maybe next time. And, and, and you're just, and then they, they take two or three steps and here you are, here you are. And then when they fall, you're not like, oh my goodness, you're such an embarrassment to the Clevelands. You're like, oh man, come on. It's okay. It's okay. Hey, try it again. You're, you're not like way up there coaching and yelling and scolding, saying, I can't believe we're here again. You're on step four. No, 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 no. You're like right here. You're like gentle. You're like lowly. You're like in it with them as they learn to walk. Some of you just need to humble yourself because you think you already know how to walk when it comes to your pornography addiction, when it comes to your lustful thoughts, when it comes to the gossip and anger and bitterness you can't let go of. You just need to humble yourself and realize you're still learning to walk, man, in that area. Everyone else around you has walked, and you're wondering why you're so... Jesus isn't. He's gentle. He's lowly. He's like, come on, man. I know we're on step four, we're on step... And you fell again, and you just want to crush yourself, and now you're fighting for it, and now you're fighting for it through shame, and you went back, and you picked up a drink after you had seven months... But that's not the voice of your gentle and lowly Savior who's like, hey, come on. We're still learning to walk here. Just humble yourself. Be willing to learn how to walk. 
in certain areas that may not be as far as other areas in your life. So what about when I'm fighting for it? Where's, where's my gentle and lowly Jesus there? So last night um, was New, New Year's Eve, right? Okay. And um, so in, in my house, you know, like I'm, I, I don't you ton, need a ton of sleep and I'm a football like athlete like fan, so watching that and watching that, and then now I have a 21-year-old and I have a 17-year-old, and they were, I, I don't exactly, they were out, okay, so I was like up and waiting and just kind of like trying to be responsible dad, so I didn't have plans to go to bed super early anyways, and then and my wife, she's an event planner, so she was at a party, so she's out, and, and so it's okay, you know, like we have two coffee, we got the coffee truck and coffee station back here at the exchange, we're gonna be all right, but, but then my seven-year-old at somewhere around 4 a.m. comes, stands next to my bed and is like, Dad, my eye hurts. I'm like, your eye hurts? What are you No, I mean, I wasn't falling like that. But I was like, okay, so here's what I did, right? I was like, okay, um, go back to bed and I'll, and I'll come in and I'll check on you in a minute. Because I'm not a like, completely cruel dad. This is like lowercase c. And so here was my hope is that my son would go back to bed and fall asleep. I would keep my word. I'd like tiptoe in there in a little while, be like, oh, he's cool, and I checked on him. But I, I wasn't like jumping out of bed to help him. You see, I think sometimes that's how we think Jesus wants to help us. Dane Ortland says he doesn't love like we do. Get that? Let's, let's just get that through our heads. He doesn't love like we do. That's really good news. He doesn't tell us to go back to bed and hope it just goes away. He leans in. He jumps out. He's like, that's what I'm for. Let's do this. What is it? You need help with something? You're fighting sin? You're, you're bearing a burden that's not sinful. It's just a struggle. You're, just fight, you're fighting depression? The clouds of anxiety have rolled in and they're calling your name again? You're lonely and you're single and you thought things would be different and they're not and you don't want to feel this way, but you do. Or you're married and you're lonely. Your marriage, like, and, and so sometimes, sometimes when we approach Jesus for repetitive help, I think we can get in our heads. He's not very gentle and lowly. He's like, oh, let's go back to bed. Maybe, maybe it'll get better. Come to me. Come to me. Come to me for I'm gentle. I'm lowly. The Avenue Church has been deeply influenced by the recovery community. And in the recovery community, they have something called sponsorship. And sponsoring is usually you've walked through the 12 steps. And you have usually about a year of sobriety, not always. And then you can walk somebody through their 12 steps and help sponsor them because you've been through what they've been through. I want to tell you something. Jesus can sponsor you. He can, he can sponsor you in your anxiety. He can sponsor you in your, your doubt. He can sponsor you can sponsor you in your unbelief. Like he's been tempted in every way and yet was without sin. So he knows what it's like to walk through with the heaviness of what you have 
and yet take you to a place you've never been before called rest. He doesn't love like you do. He doesn't love like I do. So when we're, when we're fighting for it, come to me. What about when we pray? You see, each of these has the promise of either more or less rest. When you, when you sin again, you're either going to find more or less rest. When you fight for your life, you're either going to find more or less rest, more or less Jesus. It's not going to be neutral. When you pray in 2023, you're either going to experience more of Jesus or less of Jesus. You're not going to remain neutral. It all depends on how you think he approaches you in that moment of prayer. Is Jesus gentle, really, and lowly towards us who pray? Have you ever prayed and then thought, man, I wonder if Jesus is thinking it's been so long since the last time I prayed. You know, like that relative you call and you're like, "Ah, I don't know. I'm not sure I should call them because I haven't called them in a long time. This last time I was on their birthday. Now it's their birthday again. It's kind of weird. And they're going to be like, oh, you only call me on my birthday? That's not Jesus. He doesn't love like we do. It says, uh, Ortland talks about he loves through disappointment. He loves through rejection all the way to the cross and through an empty grave. So when you haven't talked to him for a good hot minute, he's not thinking about that like you are. He's like, listen, listen, come to me. Come, come to me. You ever prayed and think this isn't very good? I, have you ever tried to pray the scriptures and you're like, I don't know a scripture for that one. You just like keep praying the same, your kingdom come. I think it applies. You know, you just like, this is not very good. I see some people pray and they're all like into it. And I'm just kind of like fumbling through it. Here's what Jesus is like. Jesus is like, tell me more. Come on. Come to me, come Tell me more. Tell me more. Remember how I taught people to pray? Just talk. Just come to me. You ever bring something to Jesus and think it's too low? You ever bring something to Jesus and think it's too high? You're just kind of going through them. Jesus like, come to me. What about the last one, doubt? Doubt. Is, is Jesus really gentle and lowly in our doubt? You see, because how we approach doubt in 2023 is going to be a really big deal. As a matter of fact, there's statistics that say that doubt is one of the leading causes why people leave the church, because the church has not provided a safe space to doubt. Stats, that's data. People being interviewed outside the church that used to be a part of fellowships, like I didn't, I didn't have space room, I didn't have room or space to doubt. It's like I had to come up with something that sounded confident or biblical or whatever. Where's my space? Why do you think alpha is so effective? I know this is an alpha community. Because it gives people space. I wonder, is Jesus gentle and lowly in my doubt? Come to me with your doubt. Like, don't go away. Don't, don't go away. Let's doubt together. I can sponsor you in this. I don't want to push you away. I want to walk through you in your doubt. You think he wants to rush you through your doubt? So you're back to like your, huh. Don't you understand that God meets us and does ridiculously beautiful things in the ashes? Not just the mountaintops? Keller talks about most of our spiritual growth, the more significant growth happens in our difficulties. 
not when we're crushing it. Why would Jesus rush that? Why would he want you to do that alone? I came through a season of like some awesome breakthrough and confidence, and then it was followed by a season of like, I'm not sure you can keep doing it, God, like in me personally. And it was really weird. Like I'm the guy with the mic on Sunday talking about being confident in the Lord, but like I had some weird stuff happening. I'm still kind of like walking out of the end of that season, but I was like, I don't know, like, like it worked. And then, and then he didn't work as quick. And I was like, where are you at? Am I doing something wrong? Are you like, did you, I don't know. It was like, it was odd to doubt after I had been so confident. And here's the cool promise about Jesus. He's like, come to me and give me the glory when you're experiencing the breakthrough. But, but make sure you come to me and let's do this together. When you can't break through and you don't know if I can break you through anymore. I don't want you to be alone in that moment. I'm gentle. I'm lowly. And so as the team comes, I'm going to ask the team to come, and we're going to, we're going to have a, an opportunity to respond to the truth of Jesus' gentleness and lowliness. I thought this verse was, was really helpful for us. Rest. This is not the verse. This is just kind of the, the heading under it. Rest in 2023 looks really good on you. You ever, you ever put on something and somebody's like, that looks really good on you? You know what looks really good on Christians? Rest. Like a restful spirit, a restful nature, even in the midst of their repetitive sin. Listen, I'm not telling you to stay in your sin. I'm telling you that the way out of your again is for you to quit looking elsewhere and simply let a gentle and lowly Jesus lead you out. What about in the midst of your fighting? You're fighting. You're fighting for your family. You're fighting through your cancer. You're fighting through the pain. You're fighting through uh, infertility. You're fighting. You're struggling. You're holding it up. Here's the invitation. Jesus is like, I want to do that with you, and I, I want to put rest on you in the midst of whether I answer that the way you've been asking me to or I don't. I do promise to give you rest no matter what. What about in your doubt or your, your distance from the Lord? Man, God wants you to be able to rest even in the midst while you're learning to walk in all areas. And when the world sees that, it's like, what? Your life didn't get all fixed, but something inside you found rest. I want that. Christ on the cross his death for your sin and his resurrection, him being punished in your place so that you could be forgiven. It gives you not only eternal forgiveness and rest with the Father, but it gives you the opportunity to experience that more and more and more by faith. The book of Hebrews says that there's a group of people that didn't enter rest. Hebrews 4 it says there's a Sabbath rest for people of God. And that's awesome. And then verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one would fall by the same sort of disobedience. What was the disobedience of the Israelites that kept them out of the promised land? It was unbelief. And so the invitation this morning is to simply just believe Jesus for who he is. He's gentle. He's lowly. 
And if he's really gentle and if he's really lowly, then that means you can come like just, just as you are. Like right now. And the weariness that you brought in and the weariness that you have no idea or strategy of how it's going to leave you unless Jesus intervenes. You get to come with all that. And so I've asked the team, uh, they're going to they're gonna play, I think, uh, a bit of uh, living hope. Is that it? Or did you, is that, are we staying with that? Good. And then, and then about in the middle, I'm just going to come and just give you an invitation to respond. And, and then, and then um, after that moment, they're going to close this out.